Hello, and welcome to episode number 44 of the Connect2 podcast. My name is Jeff Cullen. And I'm Mark Hughes. Afternoon, Mark. Hey, Jeff. How are you today? Good. Endless winter here in Alberta. Well, uh, it's warm, though. It is warm. It yeah. is warm, but... Uh, snow, but warm. Keeps snowing and uh, covering up everything. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> which is a problem with our back, my backyard, which has two dogs that uh, like to leave deposits and no returns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, my kids are happy because we're on the brink of the annual picking up of all of that. And uh, until it uh, actually clears up a bit, they get to delay it. So. Well, you've got a smaller yard, too. Oh, so. God. Yeah, it's a mess. But it's only one dog. I got He's a pretty big trouble. dog, though. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so. <laughs> it's a way bigger dog than both my dog. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, okay. Um, well, if you're new to the channel... We're at episode 44, rate, review, and subscribe, particularly on iTunes, which is where most people find us, which is awesome. Although we are on a whole bunch of other deployment platforms exactly. as well. Hmm. Today's coffee is a pour over in a Chemex, and it is Anchored Coffee, and hmm. um, it's called La Cotoros Filter uh, from Anchored Coffee out of Dartmouth, Nova Scotia. It's from Chiapas in Mexico. We've had it, we've had it before. Uh, butterscotch, fudge, and almond are mm. the tasting notes. <clears throat> Quite nice, actually. It's described this coffee is very sweet with a full-bodied mouthfeel. There are hints of almond and butterscotch swimming throughout the cup from start to finish. There you go. I don't know if they're doing the backstroke or... <laughs> Or the breaststroke. <clears throat> well, these coffees make me glad that a, a few years ago I abandoned both sugar and milk in my coffee or cream or anything, and I just drink it black. And so, once you, you go can, black, you, you can, can never really go back. get. Yeah, there you go. Uh, you can really get an appreciation. Whereas if you threw a bunch of sugar in this, obviously it would would destroy the. Uh, Subtle notes. Well, and it would compete with our treat of the day. Oh my goodness, this is unbelievable. Which is a cronut, a, a cherry-filled lime icing cronut, which is like half croissant, half donut. Yeah, it's, it's um, quite something. I haven't tried it yet. Oh, man. Hmm. This might be the best pastry I've ever had. Oh, my. like sex in my mouth <laughs> it's quite something yeah there's an image that i don't uh, we might have to bleep that out you know, <laughs> lose our general rating on the thing yeah well that is wonderful that that's is from pharaoh's pharaoh's not a sponsor but not a sponsor but a local uh purveyor. once we hit uh, a thousand uh, subscribers uh I think we're at nine right now. So any day now, uh, we might be able to start hitting some uh, uh, some some uh, sponsorships. But hey, must be inching up on a thousand downloads. Yeah, I think we're we're in our mid mid eight eight fifties or eight fifty ish. Phenomenal. So so um, my dad joke. Do you got a dad joke? I don't have a dad joke. I have a dad story though, but. <laughs> um, well, this morning I got up and uh, I ended up looking at myself in the mirror naked and thought to myself, I better get going or I'm going to get kicked out of Ikea. <laughs> that was a pretty good joke. <laughs> I'm also a little bit worried. I ended up get, uh, taking... Uh, a urine test from the lab uh, yesterday. Yeah, you so, gotta put it back. Well, now I'm worried that I'm a kleptomaniac. <laughs> <laughs> These are classic. There you go. My, um, this is a true story. The relationship I have with my father has been interesting over the years. Complica complicated? Complicated. I think most parents' child relationships of the era of uh, that we grew up are complicated in some respect. But anyways, this is not really a joke, but it is kind of funny. When I was a kid, he always used to say, there's the right way, the wrong way, and my way. And it wasn't for years later that it finally dawned on me. 
Why the hell would you do it the right way? <laughs> but I'm glad I didn't think of that when I was 14. That retort might not have been well received. <laughs> no, by default, if there's a right way, a wrong way, and your way, that means your way is not the exactly. Right way. That's right. But he was trying to make some point, I guess. Okay, what'd you learn this week? Mm, mm, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Go to Pharaoh. That's the first thing I learned. Oh my goodness, this is amazing. If not a bit messy. Well, uh, and it, it's it's a lot more than it looks. Mm -hmm. So if you look at it, it looks like a kind of a smallish donut with a little tiny bit of icing on it. Yeah. It's um it's kind of sneaky because it's got a lot more to it than it appears. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Well, a couple of things. So one thing I learned is that uh, there's a lot of corporations that are, I think, struggling with the fallout of COVID and uh, really having a hard time getting their head around things like hybrid work, you know, in terms of maintaining teams, some sort of a connection. I was doing a day of free training through the Project Management Institute, and this year's theme was really about the people side of things. And also that a lot of people are still quite afraid of the term mental health. I have a client who is a mental health really? guy. What do you yeah. mean by that? Well, there's a real stigma. So this client is not a, a psychologist he uh he does mental health work uh around team building and the way we often talk about it it's kind of like your personal health you know you you don't necessarily need to see a doctor to know that if you exercise and get enough sleep um you know that'll stave off illness so mental health in terms of stress and overwhelmed and is the kind of thing that if if you practice you know, mindfulness and meditation and, and those kind of things, you can, it can really have a lot of benefit, but he's finding that with a lot of prospects, the minute you raise the, the term mental health, people start to get very, very nervous, right? It's like, we don't have any problems here. <laughs> you know, nobody's crazy here. And so then there's still a lot of, of misconception about mental health in terms of wellness. You know, it's seen as a, a spooky boogeyman kind mm -hmm. of thing. And of course that's problematic because if you can't even talk about something, it's hard to be proactive. The other thing I learned is how cool the science in the expanse is. I watched a whole bunch of YouTube videos. Oh, the last now, few now that you've finished it, you can sort of watch all. Yeah. This. And uh, how accurate the science is in that show. And as I <clears throat> was watching these videos, thinking back to episodes and I was like, yeah, okay. I never quite understood you know, why something happened the way it did. Not that I gave it a lot of thought, but now it makes sense. Like the ship's flying backwards, you know, there's all these scenes where they're the, the, the jet burner is at the front of the ship. They're decelerating. Right. right? That's right. It's phenomenal detail to real physics. So I was like, that's cool. That's really cool stuff. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think of all the shows, um, the sci-fi shows it's probably the one that shows gravity a little bit more realistically i mean it's not perfect but... well and the impact of, of a lack of gravity like yeah. if you get shot in zero g you know you you don't the blood pools you don't actually bleed but that's not a good thing and you know so just these details of someone having spent some time thinking about it yeah exactly yeah yeah so it's totally cool it's very cool can't wait for see if it'll get picked up now for an extra season or two that'd be great it would be lots of talk yeah well i mean it has come off of a bit of a high i do think that the, the fact that the book six book seven or whatever the next book i think it's book seven is got a time jump gives them some latitude they could do it later and it would yeah, still be good so. exactly so what about I, you i learned a few things um first of all um so you know how as a result of the pandemic we've had a shortage of chips yes so the so there is a um microchips you mean yeah sil <laughs> silicone wafer chips for 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 all kinds of things absolutely internet yes. of things and 
Um, so, um, two things. One is about half of all the chips on the planet are made out of from one manufacturer out of Taiwan. Yeah. And and Taiwan is a disputed territory. Yes. So China believes it is part of China, even though it is certainly governed separately. It is the place where the the uh, politicians and the the uh, the elect you know, the the non no. the non communist forces fled to right. when uh, when when it was taken over and um so there there's differing opinions on it and mm -hmm. you know there is a, the perspective that uh, that um the ukraine was a bit of a test for russia yeah and china was going to watch it to see how the game plan would work for taiwan <laughs> how that played out. fortunately it's not played out very well <clears throat> so yeah. that may be a bit more scary but fundamentally um so half of the chips come from this one place in taiwan yeah we've had a major disruption Seems like a problem in our supply chain yep and and basically what's become really apparent is there's certain clusters of industries that are you know geographically regionally based mm -hmm. um, they supply something and because of the global trading arrangement that we've had it's not really been a problem because we've been in relatively peaceable time peaceful right. times <clears throat> yeah um so ukraine ukraine uh is a big country that mm -hmm. produces a lot of stuff yeah produces 15 percent of the world's wheat supply right. for the entire planet yep um they're only planting about half so that's going to be a problem that's going to particularly affect um the indian subcontinent and africa yep but they also make 50 percent of all the neon on the planet and you're going okay well what do i care about neon you mean the neon like fancy neon like signs the gas or the gas okay okay so but neon is not exclusively used for for neon signs right. in fact neon in fact, is used probably not much anymore not really. much anymore it yeah. is used very specifically for something that is super critical which is which is it is used for the lasers that are used to etch the silicone chips that, oh dear that, that supply supply uh, <laughs> the planet and it's 50 percent of all the neon is manufactured in ukraine and it is it is a um typically manufactured as a side um like a byproduct mm -hmm. um not a primary product okay usually of the metalworking industry and there's a lot of metal manufactured in ukraine in ukraine sure yeah. and so uh you actually uh surprisingly with neon you actually extract it out of the air so you're just pumping air like mad and trying to capture the neon that's in the air isn't that interesting but you need uh, a lot of power to do this and right. you need an industry that has some extra power to do so right so to spool up somebody else to do it is going to be problematic so sure we've had chip not impossible but, but a time lag and chip disruptions right. right so far so apparently some manufacturers have been stockpiling neon because of this what uh, anticipated coming? and there's apparently several other kind of gas gaseous chemicals related to um, technology that are also manufactured in ukraine but neon is kind of one of the the bigger ones that is super critical <laughs> so um there's gonna be bumpy roads you it's think we would road. have been a little bit more careful well it was this... a pretty stable place well it was a stable place, but this is not like... This is... Russia's not stable. Yeah, this is not a big... Should not have come as a surprise, right? No. You think we would have put them in NATO or even before, but wow. Yeah, that's not good. Well, I know that there's a, lots of talk now about starting up, you know, uh, chip manufacturing. Let's reshore it into the United States, and it's, I think even the federal government... Maybe it was the provincial government are babbling about Canada's microchip Mumbles. industry. <laughs> and, you know, it's it's a hugely expensive thing. These these plants, they're billions of dollars to develop and build them. And then they take an exceedingly long amount of time. It's not like you can just like, oh, yeah, we'll start, you know, making them over here. I mean, eventually it makes sense, but there's a long time lag. Well, the and then the question is, well, then does it? 
does it shift again? And now you've built a plant and. Well, the technology you... is all continuously in, uh, updating and this is part of the problem. Sure. So you're basically, you, manu- you make a manufacturing plant and you're continuously ripping it out for newer, um, thinner, yeah. um, you know, uh, more technically sophisticated to, to be able to process things faster. And so. then the manufacturing standards and, and you need the educated population. And so again, you know, you're not going to build one of these out in the middle of certain parts of North America where perhaps a pool of advanced college graduates and i'm not just picking on the united states because we got the same pockets here are maybe a little bit more scarce you know without naming any names in alberta there's certainly a lot of middle of the nowhere nowhere kind of place well exactly so yeah interesting interesting yeah oh well elon will fix it don't worry about it (laughs) so that that was kind of interesting i mean i do think uh scary I heard this interesting, uh, this line that says history never repeats itself, but it rhymes a lot. <laughs> yeah. I really like that. That seems like, yeah. a, like it, uh, it, uh, it, it captures the essence of it. Well, it's really cyclical. I'm, I'm just getting into Ray Dalio's new book about, uh, the rise and fall of countries. And he very much has studied, he's gone back to the year. I think he's gone back 500 years in history and looked at economic cycles and uh it's totally cyclical the details change but but every empire right back from the dutch he's even gone back a little further in a more limited sense but you can go back to ancient rome and yeah, there's the nothing same. new it, it always it was start yeah it's got this this sequence uh, and and it's clear that the americans are kind of on the down they're on the the, the denouement or the absolutely they're they're yeah. they've, they've peaked well chris hedges who's also a big uh, author I, I follow who's written extensively about the decline of empire talks about uh, military adventurism is always a sign of a, a declining empire mm-hmm. within the last and again if you look at the British Empire right they had uh, near the end of there they had some misadventures was it in the Suez Canal they went and they had to withdraw and and now the Americans over the last 25 years have fought endless wars and they haven't won, really haven't won any. So yeah, it's you what know, they call military adventurism. And the amount of dollars that but, gets expended, but, it's amazing. But the problem with the, so the American model is based upon, uh, is a military machine, right? Mm-hmm. Like it is, it is, uh, they don't talk about it in this term, in, in these terms, but they manufacture arms oh, they, yeah. and they export it and their biggest, export is military action so they need these conflicts yep ideally smaller conflicts in places that nobody nobody is as interested in um and then what then they can expend it and then it generates tons of revenue back and yeah well eisenhower is the one who warned us back as he was exiting the white house right the military industrial complex was going to be uh, a major challenge going forward and that's exactly what's happened raython and some of these companies billions of dollars well and 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 lobbying and and, for the longest time between the gop and the democratic party in the states they were supporting that but what's really happened in the last little bit uh, and it started before trump but trump kind of put the pedal to the metal he's kind of messed it all up Right, they're now becoming friends with the enemies, and like Tucker Carlson is now oh, like Putin's best friend. Like it's what, gone right off like the rails. It's, like I don't understand. There's no what's big support for the military. Yeah. It's just it, it's bizarro land. It really is bizarro land. It so, really is. Anyhow, anyway. yay. <laughs> so, uh, so, so, and tied to this is uh, so so the Ukrainians had sent, um some delegation a delegation to turkey and they all got poisoned right right and uh the negotiating the negotiator, so, like I'm yeah. going, and so uh, uh Zelitsky wants to uh to have a face-to-face with putin i'm going like that's the last person i would want to have a face-to-face you're exactly. gonna have to you know wear gloves and a hopeful bodysuit just insane. to to uh to uh to protect yourself against like it's, this is mr poison he's yeah. poisoned all kinds of people well so. maybe the ukrainians will poison putin 
They'll never see it coming. No, it'll be at the very end of a long table. Uh, we poison you. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> well, what was the... Ukraine uh, forever. In Dune, it was interesting. What they did is they they poisoned uh, this Mentat. Uh, and and w- w- so th- in order to ensure that he complied, uh-huh. it was they had to give him this antidote all the time. So oh, you know, interesting. poison sniffers and stuff would never detect right the poison because it's not a poison it's an antidote he's already poisoned interesting and as soon as he stops getting the antidote he will die there you go so yeah it's kind of a reverse <laughs> reverse logic um, so we were going to talk about oh go ahead energy today yeah so here comes the sun here comes the sun so um so uh yeah so today uh actually yesterday um, started getting uh, solar panels installed on my roof. Exciting. It is very exciting. It's quite interesting. Um, I won't profess to be an expert in solar power, but um, I have learned a few things about yeah. it along the way. And uh, so far, it's been pretty good. Um, so there's all these rules. There's And, and mm. there are provincial rules that vary from place to place. Right. Um, there's kind of two different approaches with solar power. Uh-huh. Uh, well, actually, I guess there's three. So, so the old school way of solar power was primarily to use uh, the sun to heat up, um, pipes to, for, for kind of like, uh, heating storage. Yep. Okay. Um, that is not as popular now as it was, although it is certainly a, a robust technology that's still still available yeah yeah what, we used to design those vacuum tubes and but usually you, you use them to heat up water yeah right? you're using so, it to heat up yeah. water and you'll have a big container and, and yeah. you're basically trying to stabilize yeah it's not a direct conversion to, to electricity no so right. um what i'm talking about with what we're getting installed we're getting solar panels right. that will convert to electricity yes and in that form there's more two... efficiently than ever by the way yeah well and it's getting better and better as it goes cost curve is amazingly quickly dropping it's uh, yeah it's uh, uh, yeah it's probably about a third the cost it was five years ago oh uh, yeah but if you go back like 20 years oh it's it's, even more it's wild so i cannot understand why everybody doesn't have these things on the roof i mean they're costly i understand but they're well they're costly although there are grants that are available for from uh, both in Edmonton, from the municipal government, as well as from the federal government. So in the end... Hmm, Who's lacking? Who's missing in that equation? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, For me, it's going to end up being about half of it is going to be paid for in grants. See, that's amazing. So that's pretty remarkable. But there's basically two types of technology. So the the first kind is... um, solar power and uh, you basically connect it to the grid and the grid becomes your battery right okay alberta isn't as great as bc if you use uh, if you give one one uh, energy unit to the grid you can take an energy unit back at a later time right it's one to one yep uh with Alberta, it's like uh, you get 85% when you sell it and you have to pay full freight of coming course. back, of course. Um, but still, it's still pretty good. Yep. Um, the other rule is there you can't you can't install solar panels there are more than 10% in excess of your annual consumption. Yes, that's right. Essentially really on a residential property. On a residential yeah. property. They're really trying to prevent you from being a solar farm a magnet in the solar industry yeah, yeah. that's right um i yep. don't know why other than perhaps i could see where people would go overboard <laughs> you know why everybody yeah people always <laughs> are going yard over. the roof everything is covered with paddles and the neighbors are like what the hell <laughs> well exactly <laughs> But uh, and yeah, uh, so you're gonna, uh, are you getting a wall pack for storage as well? No, or? so that'd be the second the second type where you basically install batteries. And yeah. there, uh, the older technology would have been to install a whole bunch of lead acid batteries. Yes. And now you can get like a Tesla power wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, where you actually have a lithium ion battery bank. Yep. Um, those are uh, remarkably expensive. Mm-hmm. And still take a fair bit of space yes like uh i mean sure you mount them to the wall but you need a lot of space for the the controls 
Right. And uh, it takes a lot of, uh, it's just, it's just, it, there's a lot to it. Yep. Um, and it's quite expensive. So uh, like it's an order of magnitude. No, not an order of magnitude. It's probably like two or three times the cost of, yeah. of just uh, using the grid. So, right. And um, but although payback is, you know, as, as power costs keep going up and panel technology keeps going down, you know, we're, we're going to hit that crossover, but uh, yeah, it's, I did a little bit of work in the solar industry three, four years ago and I was a part-time CFO for a solar company. Oh, cool. And uh, yeah. And then I did a marketing study for the Alberta society of solar and energy or something like that. I can't remember the anagram now, but you know, fascinating stuff. Um, right now, obviously there's, there's limited commercial uh, solar power and there's small number. It's starting to, the curve is certainly on the uprise in terms of total connected, right? But it's still nothing near the capacity. Uh, these guys wanted to start implementing a kind of a, a, a purchase program where they would, let's say you were a church, you could buy, they would buy solar, solar panels, this company, put them on your roof of this church, and then you'd, they would get the power back. There's right. some kind of model where it would allow the church to pay it off, but the government is not where any near allowing people to do that kind of um, fractional ownership. That was the other thing. You could sell, instead of you paying for it, the model they wanted is that you could sell a fraction of your panels to all your neighbors, and, uh, you know, they put in 10 bucks or 50 bucks or whatever, and then they'd get fractional, fractional payment back. Money. And then ultimately, once the panels were paid for, then the homeowner would get the long-term benefits. So an attempt to, but I remember the one calculation blew my mind was that if, if Alberta, if we put solar panels on every single, uh, available surface, I, and I mean, you know, buildings, not obviously not streets, but not although covering parking lots. I can't remember exactly, but it was kind of a wild number. It was something like we'd have 17,000 times more power than the province needs. So yeah. we could sell excess power to the world. Like it was just like off the chart. And all you would have to do, obviously it'd be a huge capital investment, but 17 times, 17,000 times more power than we need domestically is, you know, a lot of extra power to sell to China, to Russia, to the United States, to you name it. We could be this massive uh, uh, power, producer. power producer just passively, right? Well, I think there's two issues related to that. One is, well, I, I mean, we live in a good place for solar too because yeah. we have so many sunny days. Um, but so one of the issues with the grid is the grid is kind of a live action, right? Like... Uh, I'm not using the right term, but, but it basically, there's no storage. Right. So, um, so essentially all the grid does is they produce less because you're producing at that time. Yes. So the, with solar, you get power during the day and you don't get any power at night. Yeah. Um, which means that, um, but that means that the, the utility needs to produce less power during the day. Correct. And, you know, in the summer, that's a bigger deal because there's air conditioning and that kind of yep. stuff. Um, I think the other thing is that, uh, that, uh, so, so it's not like it has a battery system. So, no. it, it, and, um, there are critics of solar that say basic, and I just, uh, I have a hard time with them because, because you have solar panels will produce electricity uh, and they will produce them for like at least 50 years. They're guaranteed for like 50 years. Yeah. Yeah. But again, the technology has gotten so much better. So much better. And they do degrade. But I mean, I, again, I've seen some, some calcs. And when you look at it's, it's percentages, right? It's like and 85% so, over yeah. a so, longer period of time. And it's, uh, so that's just going to generate and it's free power. Free power. Well, exactly. Yeah. Right? Like you're not paying for and it. And if you took something like your furnace and and if they provided the same chart because your furnace ages, the, the, the fan becomes less efficient, all mm -hmm. of that, the, the heat exchangers, you know, corrode and you'd have the same, well, probably be worse actually. Probably be you worse. Yeah. You, Anytime you have a mechanical system. Well, sure. Everything degrades in terms of efficiency, but again, it's made as a sort of a boogeyman and like, Ooh, you know, and what about if there's snow on it? Well, you know what? Well, they, they, they actually melt the snow, falls off of them pretty quick. 
Well, and the argument is, uh, and it's a weak argument, but it is put forward by a lot of, like, I don't, I don't know why people are, anti-solar is just weird. It's like, it's like being against motherhood. There's nothing wrong with it, right? Like, uh, the suggestion is that, okay, they're manufacturing them in China and there's all kinds of energy required to create it. Well, sure. But there is like to make a coffee pot, to make anything. Exactly. There is a certain exactly. amount of energy that is required to do that. The catch is that this now generates um, generates power, which, you know, most things, your coffee pot doesn't generate power. Although, <laughs> you know, when you have right. it first thing in the morning, there is a certain power associated <laughs> with that coffee. Yeah. I mean, there's, uh, there's a guy whose stuff I like. He's a prof out of Stanford. His name is Tony Seba. He's written a bunch of books. And uh, it's inevitable that ultimately this is where things are headed because he shows every time a technology becomes like 10 times more efficient. And as the price drops, you know, we're, we're sort of getting towards that point. Like, it doesn't matter what politics, you hit a tipping point where people just adopt it. Like, this is the old trope about we didn't run out of rocks, uh, you know, when we started burning oil, right? There was still a lot of coal, but we adopted oil because it was 10 times more convenient and better. And this will be the same thing. But, you know... Old ideas die hard. And what is that adage? It's hard to make a man see the truth when his salary is depending on not believing it or something along those lines, right? So I think there's still a lot of that where people are, it's becoming political well, or I mean, has already been political. Well, and, and, like you're an enemy of the state if you got solar panels on your roof. You yeah. Know? like What are you, some kind of pinko commie? <laughs> well, and it's, uh, I mean, it's it's a <laughs> no. power that we get from the sun. It's so like it's already, it's already happened eight minutes ago and exactly. you're just capturing some of it. Um, I always think about uh, that it's kind of an inev inevitable. And so I always think <laughs> about the quote from, uh, from the Matrix. Do you hear that, Mr. Anderson? It's the sound of inevitability. Yes, that's right. <laughs> I've also seen a, a pretty funny, I can't remember where I saw it, but it was a meme of some sort or, but, you know, obviously we're, we're, we're pursuing fusion power, right? I mean, we're purportedly getting closer. Something just happened back in December That's right. in the UK was a huge leap forward, but the person was making the argument of we're putting all this money into pursuing fusion power. And it's like, Hey, look up in the sky. There's a giant fusion reactor. <laughs> and it's supplying free power. Free power. And right? we don't have to contain it. But that's part of the problem, yeah. right? Our, our capitalist system, who's going to lose out? I mean, somebody said, if, they, if, the, if the powers that be could figure out how to capture and charge you for the solar, they would. man, they would have done it decades ago, right? But it, that's, that's, the, that's the bugaboo. It's like, mm -hmm. well, what do you mean we're not going to make a bunch of money? What about our distribution system? Yeah, we don't need it anymore. We just produce it, you know, distributed power generation in situ. Well, who makes money from that? Well, not you. <laughs> so, you know. Well, but it means that the power companies don't have to invest as much in infrastructure in terms of, in terms of uh, generating capacity. Exactly. So they, they still need the wires to connect everybody, to distribute power, to accept power, but you just don't need to produce as much. That's right. And I mean, once you get smart grid technology and, and you're able to do, you know, load management and I mean, it's the way of the future, right? Like these smart cities that they're building in China, uh, integrated power systems and smart power is all built into that. Right. Well, and I mean, in, in, in a lot of districts, they're paint, you, you, they've split it up. So there's the power generation costs yeah. and then there's the transmission costs. So the transmission costs, that's not going to go away, but the, the, the generation will. And then that makes deals with some climate change issues. I, I, exactly. And so, the other argument, I think what you're talking about is people will say, well, like electric cars, for instance, they make the argument of, well, we still have to produce the power, you know, somewhere. And yeah, there's still a certain amount of power centrally produced with fossil fuels, but that ain't going to last forever. No. And in Quebec, it's and in BC, a lot of it's hydro, right? And again, we're seeing some solar, some of these large solar installations that are really pretty impressive. So that infrastructure being in place, eventually it won't be produced centrally by some uh, um, environmentally damaging source it will be 
centrally produced efficiently and you're already ahead of the curve, right? By mm-hmm. having an electric car. So yeah, I just, I can't see it. Uh, but you want to talk about small modular reactors as well, right? Well, there's been a big push for uh, for these small modular reactors, basically nuclear reactors. So nuclear reactors, so the big issue- Or with- nuclear, if you're one of those folks. <laughs> <laughs> but but <laughs> nuclear technology nuclear. is, uh, is um, the biggest issue with it is by far the disposal of the spent fuels. Yes. By far. Absolutely. Because they last so long and um, right. th- that's that's it. I mean, it, so it is great from an environmental perspective, at least as far as the sky and carbon. Yeah, so carbon, on one level, but there's a huge trade-off. But there is a huge trade-off for this, this concentrated. So years yeah. ago, I worked in a plant and... Um, a nuclear plant? No, no. Okay. It was a manufacturing plant <laughs> in Ontario. <laughs> and we we were a chemical manufacturer. So we manufactured okay. all different kinds of chemicals. And what I learned at that point in time is in general, um, if you have a byproduct from a chemical process... Yep. Um, so what you tend to do is make a bigger problem uh, smaller. So uh, so you make it more concentrated. So oh, okay. you, you basically, you get rid of the stuff that you can get rid of, and then you have less of it to deal with. And the ideal circumstance is to have something you can convert it into that's useful, that is no longer a problem. But inevitably, there's always some process that you concentrate 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 sure. and then you get left with something that's highly concentrated that is a problem right to me that's what nuclear power is it is basically taking a bunch of other things getting rid of them as a problem and now you're creating one very highly concentrated serious problem yes um because like you know you bury it where are you going to bury it and what are you going to bury it in and what's going to last long enough to protect everybody yeah exactly so it um, people have said, well, we'll shoot it into the ocean floor. Yeah. Well, and nuclear technology is relatively sure relatively safe now. Right. Uh, the incidents are relatively few and far between. But it's pretty old, like because they've stopped investing. So many countries have stopped investing in in. We're talking about fission. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, technology. they're not exactly cutting edge technology. They, no. They, well, they, so. these small modular reactors are supposed to be a version of that. But basically, it takes away the scale economics, and there's so much safety factors, so many safety factors built into right. to regular nuclear technology. That's part of what makes them relatively safe. And you're going to now scale them into smaller reactors. Yep. That just seems like a little, you're going to have problems with economies of scale. And um, I, I, it'd be good to look at the studies on that because those large reactors, and this is the thing that, uh, this Tony Seba writes about in his book for a number of reasons, predominantly bureaucracy and, and sort of uh, a certain amount of uh, corruption. He charts out the cost per megawatt of nuclear reactors you'd think would be going down, but that's actually gone up. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a technology that, that has become less and less efficient in terms of the actual construction of, and there hasn't been a new nuclear power plant for quite a few decades, but, well, but just, when you trace them, you go back to the sixties, it was like, yeah, so much per, and then the costs just started going higher and higher because of inefficiencies, because of corruption, because of political machinations. And so they kind of almost priced themselves out of the game because now to build a new plant would be like a, like a traditional plant would be billions of dollars. Not all of it necessarily tied to the physical asset. A lot of it tied to, a bunch of ancillary stuff that you probably never recover, you know, the cost of. Well, of, so. and its concept of a small modular reactor is um, it's unproven. It's like a concept. Yeah. And uh, I think the first one that potentially might get approved uh, is scheduled for like 2027 or 20. Interesting. So the, the first one that might be working. So wow. there's like three or four provinces that have said they're going to, invest heavily into these smrs yeah and uh is alberta one of them of of course of course yeah because they you know why deal with simple things when you can do things (laughs) complicated 
<laughs> Investing in the technology of the 1950s. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Head to the past. Yeah. Anyway, um, well, I was just excited. I bet because, Quebec's not one of them. <laughs> well, I should have my solar panels um, by the time we record the next. That's session. awesome. So we'll see what it's it's got. It's all, it's all pretty slick. Um, you know, when you sign up for it, yep. the contract, the solar solar contractors, they provide you with all the paperwork. I had to do this study where they basically did a an air infiltration, like an energy audit. Yep. And you do that ahead of time. Right. And then once once you've got solar installed or and it, it's not the, the the government grant is more is broader than just solar. Mm -hmm. uh, solar is just one of the recommendations. Yeah. Um, like putting insulation in any it's just energy efficiency. Yeah. See again, this is the thing that makes me crazy because uh, coming from the industries that, that we do, I remember going through several cycles early in my engineering career where there would be uh, energy retrofits and, yeah, and exactly. you know, generated a lot of work. Uh, even way back when I remember the paybacks on some of these things were <laughs> insanely ridiculous. Like we would, uh, we would do like commercial residences or, or commercial, uh, like commercial residential and I remember one thing was putting like a blanket, thermal blanket on the hot water heaters, right? And it's like, okay, well, sounds good. I mean, the government would pay for that or part of it. The payback on that was something like 36 years. But, you know, your average hot water heater only lasts about 15. So it's just like, like it made no economic sense at all other than a subsidy. But it created created projects, created employment. And I mean, ultimately was not a bad thing. No uh, way. And, and, <laughs> you know? and I'm sure the power companies, I mean, sure they want to sell you power, but in order to sell you more power, they have to put in a lot more money in capital funds to yeah. generate more power. So they would much rather produce power with less capital and intensive. Well, uh, so if they can make they can be more efficient and stretch sure. it out. Absolutely. They're well, something just, just occurs to me. If you take a look at everybody is excited, and I, I know we talked about this a few weeks ago, you know, whether it will be a lasting thing, but crypto, everybody's going on about how much, you know, how exciting crypto is. Huge power consumer, right? Yeah, exactly. But imagine if you could, because commercial buildings, residential buildings are like one of the biggest um, consumers of power and highly inefficient. So just there, if you said, look, we're going to invest in improving the efficiency of, of constructed spaces by whatever percentage, uh, and now you've got basically with the same capacity, you've got a whole bunch of room to generate, you know, the growth of something new like crypto or, or even some other new technology, right? Mm -hmm. So it just doesn't make sense to be wasting power just because we're like, well, <laughs> you know. Exactly. So okay, well, well congratulations. That's yeah. you're now part of the solution, Mark. Well, we'll see. Um, now you got to get the electric car because you can charge it no, off your panels. So and... I'm not sold on electric cars in Alberta. Maybe uh, if I lived I've in BC, this, yeah, I'm okay know, with hybrids. These new pickup trucks are pretty sexy. No, I totally think so. But the problem is, uh, is especially in Alberta, our distances between centers and stuff is so far. And if we're gonna travel anywhere, like. Yeah. If I'm going to go to Jasper, it's five hours. Yeah. And if I, I don't want to go. Further, I'm excited about getting one. Next next cart will get probably an electric of some sort. Well, I, I'm totally sold on hybrids. Yeah. I have a hybrid and yeah. uh, it's great because basically, uh, you know, and it's interesting because so for us, the hybrid is great for tootling around in the city. We get cr crazy efficiency. It's like uh, four and a half liters per that's pretty kilometers. good. Yeah. Like it's really good. Yep. If I start driving on the highway, it, the consumption goes way up. Yeah. Like way up. Right. Because uh, because it's got a tiny, tiny engine. Right. And it's got batteries. So it's basically drawing on both at the same time as much as hard as it can. It's yep. just a little, little tiny tiny engine. And um, so and my you know, I have Larry or we we think we 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 also call it the behemoth yes in honor of the uh, of the expanse as well right um and it um uh i mean it's a, it's to carry our 
truck trailer, a sure. truck camper. Yeah. And it's an F-350. So it is crazy heavy. It does the opposite, right? Like you start driving on the on the freeway and the consumption goes way yeah, down, almost exactly. to a car. Exactly. Like not quite, but close. Right. Uh, it's running diesel. But drive it in town. and Drive it in town and it's yeah. not good. But again, this is where I, I get a little crazy sometimes with the the discourse is so binary you want everybody to get rid of their checks no if if it's the like i'm a big fan of of rational value and 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 logic you know yeah like if you need a truck because of where you live or what you do have at it man yeah. but if we could eliminate 40 trucks that people are driving around to go to you know, go shopping to go for, to Staples and, and to, to Safeway yeah. inside an urban environment. Well, then the whole picture improves, right? Oh, totally. So it's, it's, it's this false narrative of the same thing we're talking about with, with solar, right? Oh yeah. Well, what do you do if the, if the sun don't shine? Well, you know, a little bit of education, please. Right. It, like it ties to the grid. It's, it's just, it's a incremental benefit that adds up. It's not a either or black or white thing and i think we've become so black and white or yin, yin and yang if one doesn't want to use racial uh, uh overtones that it's 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 hard to have you know rational discourse okay but congratulations i think it's awesome well, i'll give you an update next week right um so uh what media have you been consuming i watched the oscars no <laughs> <laughs> oh, hang on let me slap you i uh, know i didn't actually but uh, <laughs> uh after yeah wow it's been insane no what am i consuming you know i'm i'm back to enterprise uh because i never watched the whole series i watched oh the, it, the, the original one with yeah. the scott bakula yep and uh really enjoyed it. I pronounced it. his name right? Uh, I think he pronounces it Bacula, but yeah. uh, Dracula. <laughs> but uh kind of the maligned uh, Star Trek, but it's good. It's good Trek. Well, I didn't and mind it. We're enjoying Picard. Picard, mm-hmm. yeah, the 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 last episode was was interesting. Yes. Um yeah, I'm not sure where it's going, but nope. uh uh and but, again, I I I I consume a lot of ancillary content. So I yeah. think a lot of people are doing this now, this whole cottage industry of YouTubers who yeah. go, watch my four hour video discussing the 30 minute episode of Picard. Right? <laughs> yeah. So all the Easter eggs you missed, but yeah, I caught. Exactly. So I do enjoy some of those. Well, there's like the, some of them are tedious. It's like the guy on, uh, so, so there's like uh there's a reference in Picard to a character that's in Voyage Home. Yes. He, he who suffers the Vulcan nerve pinch. Right. And then he, Phenomenal. he's a little older now or yeah. whatever. And he's and a little he's jumpy, a little jumpy and he holds and his and neck. <laughs> it's the same character, same actor. Exactly. Too. So there, there's I love a, that. Uh, I like Picard because there's a, a big homage to all the old tar- exactly. Star Treks and trying to integrate it and weave it into the right the the canon although you know it's kind of a little messed up because they have like the two streams right like you've got the the original series stream and then you got the new movie stream with uh, with chris pine yeah but they've they've done a good job of of splitting the realities the multiverse kind of deal so uh, oh speaking of marvel moon knight i think starts tonight tonight or tomorrow tomorrow uh no i saw on youtube it was tonight at least in the states i believe it will be 3 a.m tomorrow morning is that right yeah oh, okay well. so apparently wandavision uh loki and there's some other marvel series they all oh it's the the winter not the winter soldier what's it called uh Hoffman, uh falcon falcon and, and the winter, uh, and, so, and the winter, winter soldier, soldier yeah all dropped at like 3 a.m on the day that they said oh so, uh, interesting so it's likely that, like they haven't announced it, but the, it's likely it'll be 3 a.m. and it's March 30th, so it'll be tomorrow. There you go. So uh, in the morning or the middle of the night, right. depending on if you're my son or not. And uh, <laughs> uh, so that should be interesting. I'm um, looking forward to that one. You know, and I, uh, my son wanted to watch a movie. He said, oh, can we watch a movie? And I said, sure. What kind of movie would you want? I'd like to watch a horror. I'm going, like, a horror? I'm going, like, I hate horror movies. <laughs> But I'm okay with a horrific movie if it is, or, or horror-ish movie, if yeah, it's yeah, got yeah. a good story. Okay. So uh, he, said, he said, so pick something. So I'm going, like, okay. Oh, he said, you, you so I got pick to pick something. I got to pick. Okay. So, so I got to pick Pitch Black. 
Oh, yeah. Which is a great horror movie. Is that? Have you ever seen it? It's like the first first real movie that Vin Diesel was in. I was going to say, yeah. And uh, he did a great job. Okay. It's uh, the first of the three, the, the Chronicles of Riddick. Riddick. Right, right. Um, you don't really You don't really get an indication of some of the backstory in Pitch Black until the second one. Okay. But the... Uh, but uh but the story is is well done like it, you know it it's it's an older movie i think it's like 2000 2001 it's up there yeah but it has uh it is aged remarkably cool. well yeah so i love horror movies and my son my older boy uh do you have any more recommendations the problem i have is there's just so many of them that are terrible like right? a- it's hard to find like a really good horror movie. I, I did Fear, enjoy Fear the, Street uh, was good. Fear Street? The Fear Street trilogy? Yeah, Victor said he liked those. I um That's oh, a that's uh, very uh that's very very it's a little bit meta and it is definitely right. very much a, a contemporary take. Yeah. And there's th- it's 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 a it's a three movie arc. Okay. Yeah, they've done the three series. I enjoyed the the ones about the Warrens, not Annabelle, but the uh with the Warrens, uh, yeah, the the demonologists Elizabeth and and uh, so they came out a few years ago. It's not Untouchable. I can't remember the name now. Anyways, good supernatural horror I enjoy, but so much of it is just trash. Slasher? God, are you kidding me? Yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah. it's tough to find good stuff. Yeah, I, I I like stuff that's scary with a story. Right. I don't like scary just for the pay. And the trouble with a lot of Horror is that everybody dies, or almost everybody <laughs> yeah, dies. That's true. Honestly, I get a lot more of my horror fix now on YouTube, like like real ghost videos. And, and, <laughs> oh, I and, thought you were going to say ghost just stories. watching the news. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true too. Anyhow, but um, The Witch is good. It's on Netflix, I think. Okay. Eh, the Witch or you? The Witcher? The Witch. The Witch. Um, although for 14-year-old boy, yeah. I don't know. Watch it first. <laughs> Anyway, I think that's it for this week. Yeah. I do have an idea for what we could talk about next week. Lay it on me, dude. Have you ever heard of helium? Helium, the gas? No. Oh. The crypto and the decentralized uh, in, uh, networking. Oh, no. So um, I've just become aware of this. Okay. And I'm going to do a little bit of digging and uh, we'll talk about helium because you can use helium to uh, to... To, to create crypto and Ooh. it is a crypto and it also is this decentralized network that doesn't rely on like uh phone lines or cellular or anything interesting like that. yeah yes let's talk about that talk about helium right on okay all right that's it for this week yep have a good week uh rate review and subscribe have a great week and uh check out the facebook page for links to all of the important stuff that we talk about exactly all right take care yeah you too right?